0: VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
1: And welcome to the show and greetings to all of you, all of my listeners throughout the world and to those that have really been so faithful I thank you so much because you're helping me get out the word that people with disability do matter and there are 54 million of us and it is amazing that today we will be talking about epilepsy which of course I am a person with epilepsy as I see there was an article in the New York Times talking about epilepsy and the stigma attached and boy do we know about that so well so for me It is really a pleasure. I mean, this is very personal to me. So for me to be able to have people on the show who are helping people with epilepsy find employment, well, you know what? That is what it's all about because I tell people all the time, we need champions across the country. I can't do it alone. And today we have two of those champions, Kurt Willig and Matt Poland. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Joyce. Thanks, Joyce.
1: So, so we can get started for our listeners, Kurt and Matt. How did you both become involved in the disability area? Kurt, we'll let you go first, uh, just so our listeners know a little bit more about your background.
2: Sure. Well, I attended um, New York University in the early '60s, and I was lucky enough to have a wonderful professor who is still around. He's uh, he's been voted uh, Professor of the Year a number of times at Stanford University, where he is currently. His name is Philip Simbardo. And um, he's somewhat notorious for some of the experiments that he conducted back in the 60s that were very revealing. But um, uh, I took uh, several courses uh, uh, that he taught in psychology and at some point he asked uh, our class in, in on the first day of my second psychology course how much how many of us tended to be psychologists and a lot of us raised our hands and he said okay for those of you who want to do that i'm going to require you to find an internship this year and uh, go out and um do whatever you have found in the way of psychiatry social work psychology uh rat Behavior, anything like that, and um, and then write a paper on it at the end of the year. And I did that for three successive years with three different organizations, and I, I found that I loved it. It was a wonderful experience. And uh, when I graduated, I uh, joined the staff of one of the organizations. It was a preschool for uh, autistic children that was sponsored by the Lenox Hill Neighborhood Hospital. It was a very interesting job. So that that was my um, introduction to disability and um, I think Matt has a different story.
3: Yeah, um, my story is, is probably not as exciting uh, but I, I graduated in 2000 from the University of Michigan with a degree in psychology. Um, at first I thought I was going to be going into human resources. That's what I was looking into first and i applied at a place in michigan where i was from uh... called boysville and it was a placement facility for court-adjudicated youth or um, repeat offenders who are under eighteen and they they told me well we don't know if you're qualified for the human resources position but we have this treatment specialist position and it was about kind of uh... running treatment trying to teach healthy values to these kids who you know have grown up in tough areas and um, Maybe they've had a lot of difficulties. Um, so that was—it it wasn't necessarily exposure to disability there. Although a lot of the kids, I would say, you know, if I had to guess, at least half of them had um, pretty severe learning disabilities um, that we we'd often have to help them with their homework and and uh, things like that. Some of them did have jobs on campus that we'd help them with, help them obtain jobs on campus, help them get to their jobs. Um, and then I moved out to California um, after doing that for about a year and I was made aware of a, a, a field called job coaching where uh, someone uh, at a, from a nonprofit profit will help people um, usually someone with a disability or a you know, learning disability or some other disability uh, acclimate to a new job. And I applied for a job coaching position at a place called Jan Pomeroy Center in San Francisco that ser- serves uh, adults with disabilities with recreation and vocational services. And so I, I worked in their employment training department, and then I became a, a vocational counselor and started helping people with disabilities uh, placed in community employment. And then in April of last year, I, I started with this program here.
1: Interesting. Neither one of you are doing this because you have a disability.
3: Neither one of well, uh, I don't. Well. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm type one diabetic, and I guess that's sort of a debate whether that's a disability <laughs>
2: that's or a condition. I don't, yeah,
3: I don't consider it too much of a disability for myself. But
1: well, you know, what my point is is sometimes people only work in epilepsy because they have epilepsy. Right. So that is really great that you're doing this because, as I said, we need all the help we can get. Um, and it's amazing, isn't it, how a professor can have an impact on someone, such it, as what happened to you, Kurt?
2: It absolutely is. Uh, I, he, he wasn't the only mentor I had, but he was a primary one. And I had another one in a uh, a, a pediatric psychiatrist uh, on a project that I worked with. Um, in east harlem and he he urged me to continue my education because uh, he felt that i I was going to get stuck if i simply um, stayed where I was with a with a b a and uh went to social work school at his urging so um i, I had i was very lucky in the people that uh, uh I worked with that um they they saw some potential in me and um i think I think mentors are, are extremely important people.
1: Yes, they are. I agree with you 100% about that. Well, you know what? Maybe we could take a moment and talk about the California Pacific Epilepsy Program. Uh, Kurt, do you want to tell our listeners what that is? Sure. It's it's what's called in our
2: area a comprehensive epilepsy program. Um, it's based. Uh, our our one is based in San Francisco in Pacific Heights. Uh, it's part of the California Pacific Medical Center, and it consists of three neurologists, a, a neuropsychologist, and a brain surgeon. And uh, our docs work with uh, a huge variety of people from uh, young children to, um, to virtually anybody with epilepsy, and they're all epilepsy specialists, which is, is quite important. Um, so that's, that's pretty much a, a, a skeletal version. Well,
1: what do you mean by a comprehensive epilepsy program?
2: Well, it means that um, we try to uh, uh, use every possible means of um, uh, treating people, including the VNS, uh, stimulation, uh, medication, diet—all uh, of the—all uh, of the ways that people might um, mitigate or eliminate their uh, their seizures. So uh, that's part of it, and part of it is that we we work with a great variety of of uh, ages uh, and uh, seizure um, behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the according to. The article in today's New York Times, which is called Battling Epilepsy and Its Stigma, uh, 50 million people have epilepsy worldwide and more than 2.7 million in the United States. Is that, uh, is that the same numbers you have?
2: Well, we have um well, first of all, uh, the the statistics seem right. I, I have the article in front of me also. Uh, uh we learned that uh, about 1% of the general population have epilepsy. And um we we are uh, Matt and I are somewhat new to epilepsy uh, in terms of um uh, our experience with with people. So I I would have a hard time um analyzing the statistics, but uh, all I know is that we we have plenty of people applying for our services, and the caseloads of uh, our um, epilepsy program and the two others that exist uh, in the Bay Area, which are Stanford Medical Centers and the and, uh, University of California at San Francisco both have uh, program similar to ours, and there's a great demand for our services. So I, I, um, I don't know the exact numbers of the people uh, in, in this area who have epilepsy, but it's a, it's a rather large number.
1: Uh, Matt, we have, a uh-huh. question, we have a question for you here from a listener, okay. and that is, could you please give me an idea of the education or academic level of the majority of people you see who are referred to you with epilepsy?
3: Um, so far it's it's been kind of all over the map with education and experience or work history. We have some people who um have a high school diploma or less, um and we have some people who have masters degrees. I haven't seen anybody with a PhD yet, um, but I'm sure they're out there. Uh so it it's yeah, it's really varied.
1: So I mean then you could work with people that do not have a college degree.
3: That's correct. Yeah, it's regardless of education or experience level. Uh, We're working with people also regardless of their seizure control. So some people that we're working with have their seizures completely under control, whether it was through surgery or through medication. Um, And then we have people who, even though they've been taking medications and tried different combinations, you know, don't have their seizures completely under control. And we can still work with them to try to find an appropriate job that's going to be safe for them and make sense for their situation
1: okay well when we were talking about that california pacific epilepsy program apparently doctors from this group went to you kurt and asked you to create the peps job program
2: they did um i i have a friend who is the director of uh, jewish vocational services here in san francisco and she happened to be a friend of one of the doctors in our suite our epilepsy suite and uh, the doctors uh for years had been um, asked by a number of their patients about where they could go uh for help with employment. And uh the doctors didn't know much about uh employment services in the Bay Area and usually they would just tell them to go to the Department of Rehab or, or, or um some of them really didn't know um, much about uh referral possibilities. So uh they they thought the perhaps they could get a, a grant and start um, a program, and they, they were not going to do that. So my friend alerted me about the, uh, the possibility, and we had a meeting, and it turned out that one of the patients that uh, one of the doctors had been working with uh, had uh, some very po- positive outcomes for his epilepsy treatment, and he donated a significant amount of money to the CPMC Foundation. So that became the core of the funding for the project that that we started. And I I wrote a grant, uh, an establishment grant, to the Department of Rehab, and that went through. So that's pretty much how the whole thing got started. And it started uh, really primarily because of the doctor's um, uh, perspicacity about their uh, realizing that there was a great need for a specialized epilepsy employment program.
1: Unbelievable that what can happen when you help someone.
2: It is. It, it truly is. You know the
1: example you gave about the person that made a donation mm-hmm. back to the back. You know to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, we'll talk more about that when we come back. But right now we're going to go to break for just a couple minutes, and we'll be right back. Don't go away because we'll be back with Kurt Willig and Matt Hollem. From the Peps Job Program in California, you're listening to Joyce Bender, America's voice on VoiceAmerica.com.
4: VoiceAmerica.com,
3: your news talk information radio network.
0: VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender.
1: And welcome back, and if you just joined us, one of my favorite topics, epilepsy and employment, which as you know... This is what my whole life is all about. So as a woman with epilepsy who owns a company that employs people with disabilities, this is to me where the rubber meets the road. Uh, we're talking to Kurt Willig, the executive director, and Matt Poland, the employment coordinator for the PEPs Job Program. And since we're back with both of you, I wanted to ask you, uh, Matt, mm-hmm. you work as the employment Coordinator of the pep jobs program uh-huh. what do you see as your biggest challenges? Is it educating employers or educating the candidates when it comes to employment
3: i, I think it's it's a little bit of both it's a it's a tie there um, A lot of people uh, who are in a job search uh, regardless of having a disability or not. I think, have trouble with writing uh, or creating an effective resume and aren't sure how to interview, aren't sure about how to go about a job search. So, like I said, regardless of disability, a lot of people need help with that, Um, and and they also may not know, but in terms of their disability or having epilepsy, they also may not know when and if they should disclose about their epilepsy that sort of thing. So I, I do need to do a lot of counseling with that. And then of course, there is a lot of um, discrimination still among employers or fears about hiring people with disabilities and fears about hiring people with epilepsy um, and there's a lot of stigmas that go with disabilities and epilepsy. So if I can get to the root of what you know the employers are afraid of, I might be able to help, If it, whether it's th- they're worried about the person being a liability or being able to do the job or they just don't understand epilepsy, then I can help I, I'm unfortunately I'm not always able to know when there's a you know the employer has a problem so
1: yeah well it is it is definitely there is definitely a stigma and an attitudinal barrier that is there and that is why how else can it be possible that there's three million people with epilepsy and yet people don't know that much about epilepsy there's a much smaller group with MS and Parkinson's disease but mm-hmm. everyone knows about that right And I think it's because people don't want to talk about it.
2: Well, you know, again, the New York Times article does mention that uh, in ancient times, it was thought that people were possessed by a demonic spirit Mm. or that they were um, possessed uh, by a divine spirit. So there's a lot of misinformation that went on up until probably uh, sometime in, in the Previous century. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'd be surprised if there weren't people who still believed that uh, people were possessed somewhere on Earth that uh, uh, didn't didn't uh, know that it was uh, a neurological condition. Yeah,
3: we had some people that were telling us that they've been told that re- pretty recently, either that they were possessed or it was a divine experience of some sort when they had a seizure.
1: I know, that is terrible. But there are people I know, even in a few areas in the south where we work with different offices mm-hmm. that people have told me they've run into so many people who have been told that, you know, yeah, that is yeah. uh, that they are demon-possessed. And then throughout the world, in other countries, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So how about you, Kurt? What do you think created this major stigma attached to epilepsy, and what, what do you think it is?
2: Well, I I think partly it's uh, the helplessness that people feel when they see uh, someone having a seizure uh... in other medical emergencies there's generally something you can you can do you can participate in the emergency uh... if someone has a seizure there's not much you can do you, you can keep them safe by rolling them on their side if they're having a uh, a major tonic clonic or what they used to call uh... grand mal seizure but there, there's not much else and i think there's a certain feeling of helplessness um, there, it's also quite mysterious there there's there's no uh... Uh, injury, uh, uh, apparent injuries or, uh, or anything else. It just happens. And, uh, I think, uh, that, that really does, um, kind of spook people. And uh, in fact, it's another thing that's mentioned here, uh, in the article about, uh, uh, watching a child have a seizure. It, it is a, a feeling of helplessness. Um, I, uh, remember that uh, during a basketball game when i was in high school a young man had a, a seizure and uh... it was very scary to us we we didn't have any idea about epilepsy we would never been told about it and we thought uh... perhaps the person was in a great deal of pain and it was it was uh, very upsetting so i i guess um... my best guess is that it, it's uh, uh... to a lot of people it's a very mysterious condition and. Um, There, there is a certain amount of stigma attached to it. That's for sure.
1: Yes, and you know, it's amazing when when you have diabetes, as you mentioned, Matt. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: You can have a, you know, a seizure, Mm -hmm. and yet people don't mind talking about that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because they feel that would just happen very rarely. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Whereas with epilepsy, they feel, but that could be all the time. You know, that's why they feel differently about it. Mm -hmm. And I asked a group of people just the other day. Why do you think there is such a, st- what is the stigma? What is it? In addition to this thing about demon possession, one of them said to me, well, that the person's crazy.
4: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And you know what? When I grew up, I, I, and I was, you know, 53 years old now, but when I grew up, I know that a certain individual that had epilepsy, people did think that, that you know, that they had a psychiatric disability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they had epilepsy. Right. Do you know what I mean? If people have epilepsy, they think then there's something else wrong with them. Sure, sure. And I don't know. I guess this just comes from lack of understanding, fear. You know, I, I, I don't know what all the reasons are, but that stigma, that stigma, can be very, very deadly. Yeah.
2: Well, we we are learning about that, and, and some of the people that we are working with, they they have stories about um, uh, being treated like pariahs. So it's uh, it definitely the, the stigma is there.
3: Yeah, well, I think another stigma with it is that everyone with epilepsy has grand mal seizures. Um, I think most people's definition of a seizure is what you know what a grand mal would look like, and there's there's actually many different types of seizures. Um, and I, I don't think people also understand that it can be controlled with medication. And we have a lot of people who have seizures only at night. We have people that have absence or petite mal seizures where it's kind of just like it looks like they're daydreaming for a few seconds. There's no convulsions or anything like that. And there's simple partial, with, which is only one part of the body convulsing. And there's a lot of different types. And I don't think people realize that epilepsy includes a lot of different types of seizures.
2: You know, Joyce, we, we had a... Um a series of focus groups before we actually started working with uh, our participants and uh, uh, we we learned that uh, there was so much uh, variation in the way people handled uh, having seizures and uh, there was one gentleman uh, that spoke at one of the focus groups that uh, I was really crazy about. He was a retired salesman and he drove in a three-state area around uh, Nevada, New Mexico. He he, he traveled um, incessantly selling uh, light fixtures, and uh, we asked them uh, how, what, what people's attitudes were about epilepsy when they, when they uh, learned, and he said, well, I, they didn't learn. I told them. The first thing I would tell people when I met them is, by the way, um, I have epilepsy, so if I have a seizure, don't, don't let it blow your mind. And uh, I said, did that usually work? And he said, yeah, it always worked. Uh, what, what did I care? You know, I I uh, I, I inoculated them with, with those words. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, it seemed to work. And he said, yeah, it worked beautifully. Uh, I never had any problems with it. So I, I thought that was a, a singularly uh, healthy attitude towards uh, something that he might have tried to hide. I, yeah. It uh, wasn't everybody's solution, but. Um, yeah, there were was, other
3: people like you. I mean, he was the most uh, kind of forward, you know, you know, kind of putting it out there, you know, the person we met. Uh, but there were other people that told me that they would rather tell people up front, you know, tell an employer up front because. They've taken on a job, and the employer doesn't know. And then they have a seizure, and then the employer freaks out and finds a reason to fire them. Um, so they they now want to make it. They make it a policy to tell them ahead of time because they want to know who they're dealing with before they get hired. Um, and then there's other people, of course, who just <coughs> try to keep it a secret as best they can and don't tell anybody um, because of being discriminated against, or or at least the fear of being discriminated against.
1: My advice on that, because of the Americans with Disabilities Act. You know, you are not required to disclose any disability on a job interview. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. And and, uh, you should not. Right, that's what I tell people also. You won't get the job. You will. I don't care what you think, how great you think companies are, you won't get the job Mm -hmm. as as likely as someone that is not disabled. If you would walk in and say, hey, I'm really qualified. By the way, I have tonic-clonic seizures.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas after you get the job and you have the offer letter and you're employed... If you have a seizure that you feel, you know, you could be injured or or just it would make you feel better to tell your immediate supervisor, Mm -hmm. you know, then go right ahead and do that. Although I know many people with epilepsy, because their seizures are, you know, pretty much controlled, they would prefer not to disclose
2: that. Mm -hmm. And I always
1: tell people it's up to them. Now, as far as keeping it a secret from people in general, you know, obviously I tell the world I have epilepsy, and I always tell people... You don't need to be ashamed. Epilepsy is just part of who you are.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and to young children, I tell them, I think you should talk about it. You right. know, you should tell people you have epilepsy or not be afraid. Right. And, and then if there are people that, like in that article, don't want to have the little girl over for a sleepover because she has epilepsy, I mean, these are not people you would want to have as your friends anyway. You
2: are absolutely yeah. right.
1: Similarly, yeah, I always
3: does. advise people yeah, not to disclose on an interview. Um, I mean, there's, like I said, there's some people who... It, for, you know, reasons that being discriminated against want want them to, want to know up front because employers can find sneaky ways to let you go later, you know, and in some respects I can understand that, that then you know who you're dealing with up front. But most of the time, yeah, I advise people not to disclose during the interview um, and then maybe after the job offer, depending on whether or not they need an accommodation. If they don't need an accommodation, they shouldn't have, ever have to tell the employer.
1: Yeah, because, you know, when, today in the world when you go on job interviews, you have the gate scre- uh keeper who sometimes becomes the gate screener.
2: Mm-hmm. That's so true. if
1: you, you know this person that you meet first, if you don't get past them, you're never meeting the hiring manager anyway. And, and even though the hiring manager that you would work for maybe would not care. Yeah. If you don't get past step 1, you're not going you to get to step 2. Right. That's right. You know, so that that's the reason that I say that to people but mm-hmm. uh just as you said Everyone should do what they feel is best, except for one thing. You should never discriminate against anyone else. And we'll be right back to talk to our two champions, Kurt Willig and Matt Pollan from the Pep Jobs Program. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on VoiceAmerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
4: To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
5: Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Treveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel.
0: Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living, on VoiceAmerica.com Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.
4: VoiceAmerica.com
0: If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
1: And welcome back. And if you just joined us, we're talking to Kurt Willing, the executive director for the PEPS job program and Matt Poland, the employment coordinator. And as you know, we advertise this ahead of time on our website and receive many email questions. Another question right here from Pennsylvania for either one of you, Kurt and or Matt is what advice do you have for me if my child is suffering bullying at school and being made fun of due to having epilepsy?
2: Hmm. That's a little bit out of our uh, sphere. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: yeah, you have the degree in social work, Kurt.
2: I do have a degree in social work, but <laughs> I also uh, have a, a daughter. Um, hmm. Well, um, I guess I would uh, talk with the uh, the child who's being bullied and find out what the circumstances were uh, of the bullying and um, i I would um, uh, I would try to uh, f- figure out uh, a good strategy for responding to the bully uh, I might also if it's rather severe bullying i w- I might want to call the school. And notify them that the, uh, of the bullying. Yeah,
3: I've heard a lot about this recently. It seems that schools are taking bullying much more seriously than they used to. Yeah, and that they should. I, it seems like they should respond to this.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if, if bullying is just teasing, that's one thing. If it's uh, physical contact and pushing pushing somebody uh, down or uh, socking someone, that 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 uh, is another category. Uh, but this, this is really not my forte, so uh, I, I would. Certainly, if if another caller uh, suggests something um, more than I've said, I I would probably trust that that caller.
1: Well, I would say, number one, I agree with Kurt about... Immediately, when something like this happens, I think the key thing is get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. You know, find out what do you mean by bullying. Mm-hmm. You know, is it calling you right. names? Right. Is it, you know, just, you know, teasing you? Or, not that that doesn't matter, but, you know, you're going to advise the person differently depending on what they're doing. Now, if it's touching, pushing... um, threatening, even verbally, anything like that, you know, you must tell someone at the school, like mm-hmm. the guidance mm-hmm. counselor or right. one of the teachers, right. sit down with that person to get advice from them, because, you know, if your child has epilepsy, you can't take a chance of something happening. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Anything could happen if mm-hmm. they would do something while the person is having a, yeah. a seizure, and they're, sometimes they're so. people not educated do really stupid things. But, the other thing you've gotta do is get new friends for your child mm-hmm. get new friends. you know there's strength in numbers. Remember you're talking about mentoring and all of that mm-hmm. and buddying Kurt Yes, I do, yeah, The more friends you have, the better off you are. It's yeah. really sad yeah. that you know this happens and it goes on, but it does
2: yeah but unfortunately remember, it's a part uh, it's a part of childhood, yeah. especially with boys, yes, mm-hmm.
1: yes. It's hard when you have a disability and people make fun of you. That's for sure. That That is. It, and it is cruel. So that's why I always tell people get involved in activities because you know what? Once you get other friends, it's funny how that stops. A good example I would give of that is the quarterback of the uh, Pittsburgh uh, football team here in Pittsburgh, the Panthers. Mm-hmm. He spoke at this event I was at and talked about, how from when he grew up, his friend had Down syndrome and they became best friends. Boy, it's amazing how the world changes when people see you with different people all Mm -hmm. the time like that. Yeah,
2: that's a really good point.
1: It is amazing how that Mm -hmm. changes. Well, Kurt, over the past few years, we have this ongoing problem, Mm -hmm. which is frequently discussed on my radio show, which is this high unemployment rate, which, by the way, is 65%. For Americans with significant disabilities in the United States today. My question is, do you think it is even harder for people with epilepsy out of that group?
2: Well, uh, I, I think it's, a fair, we're a fairly young organization and, um, we, we've been open for all of about nine months. So, it's a little hard for us to judge that, or at least it is for me to judge that. Um, I, I, I do want to say that, um, five o four and a d a have I think made a significant dent in uh in at least the legal aspects of uh, people being rejected because they they have a disability and uh, I think there's uh more of an awareness, especially in large cities uh, with um, a lot of resources, that uh, there is something you can do about being discriminated against if you have a disability um, so, my take on it is that uh it's it de- first of all, it depends on the kind of uh seizures you have. I think if you have um, seizures that are very hard to detect uh the the going is going to be a little bit easier than if you have uh fairly um severe seizures like tonic clonic seizures uh and they're they're refractory but uh I'd say that our experience uh has been somewhat limited uh in terms of um the, the amount of time that we've been in business We've worked with about twenty five people so far, and um they have very different stories. Some of the folks uh, have come to us for essentially a brush up of their resume. They are very verbal, they are self-confident. Sometimes we work with people who uh, have uh, really had a great deal, experienced a great deal of discrimination and have, have had a, a very rough time in their employment career. Uh, I would like to think that it is going to get better with more uh, awareness about, um, about disability. Uh, So That's my take on that, Uh, Joyce.
3: How
1: about you, Matt?
3: Um, Yeah, I think like Kurt said, it it might depend on what type of seizures they have, whether or not they're under control. Um, If they're under control or um, they don't have them that often or maybe they have them at night, we've seen a lot of people that have them only at night, only when they're asleep, Um, it may not be as difficult for them to obtain employment as as another person with disability when it's a hidden disability. But we've also seen a lot of people who have epilepsy along with other disabilities, and for them, it might be as hard or harder than the average person with a disability. I think for people with epilepsy, retention might be more of a problem sometimes than being hired because it's a hidden disability. um, They're often hired, and then we've heard a lot of stories where once they're hired and they have a seizure and they get let go, or the... Uh, the embarrassment of having a seizure at work, or the way that you know, they feel their coworkers are um, treating them after they have a seizure, and they feel pressured to leave, and that sort of thing. That sometimes retention is more of the problem than, than getting the job.
1: Yeah, I would say that people uh, people with epilepsy, and there are certain other groups, people with psychiatric disabilities, you know, various disabilities. I think it's disabilities that people aren't that aware of or feel comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do have a harder time gaining employment, but one thing I would agree with, it depends on the severity of the seizures. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: There is no doubt about that. Just today, I was talking to a friend of mine who used to be the chief operating officer of Highmark. His name's Keith Katmeyer, a wonderful man that really stood behind me when I first started my company. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking to Keith, I said, remember what you told me once? The more significant the disability, the harder it is to find employment for the person. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is true across the board and is absolutely true with epilepsy. The more seizures, the more difficult.
2: Yeah. One of the things that we are working on, Joyce, is uh, the, the uh, forming of uh, a mentor program and it's for people who would like a mentor uh somebody to vent with uh somebody to um, offer advice somebody just to stick with you as you're looking for work and we have three people who have volunteered to be mentors and we've already started assigning uh mentors to uh some of the folks who are about to begin employment uh that that really helps a lot is my my take um, i i was uh, the director a few years ago of a uh, occupational training institute at a community college and um, all of the people uh, who were directors or deans uh were um, asked to attend a mentor program to help them uh with their their new jobs and to um, Give them uh, some some solid support about uh, how to find your way on campus and what what, what the job was like. And the, the person who was assigned to me was wonderful, and, and uh, I really felt like uh, there was a significant difference uh, uh, that um, that existed between my trying to find the bathrooms <laughs> and find out about all the uh, the folks to avoid and the folks to uh, to use as uh, helpers and not having those people. And so I, I'm a big uh, boost, booster of mentor programs. I know the uh, Epilepsy Foundation has one, uh, the national organization, and we uh, based our program loosely on, on their program so I, I have to say that 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 can help a, a good deal for people who are um afraid of starting a new job or uh being interviewed or, or any number of situations that people find uh, uh anxiety provoking
1: oh i agree with you and our we have been in business now for 12 years and I always tell people the key to success is what I refer to as that go-to person. Mm -hmm. You know, those examples you gave, Kurt, may seem insignificant to some people, you know, like where's the restroom or where's a good place to get Chinese food or who's that person or who's the good people, who are the bad people, whatever it is. Don't ever underestimate that.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you you had a good mentor and, and the person who helped you.
1: Oh, yes. When you start a new job and you have that... That makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, that's exactly
3: right.
1: And Matt, how about you? What's your opinion about that?
3: Yeah, I think it's very helpful for people who um, to have a mentor, and, and ours is going to, you know, like, I think like Kurt said, is more specific for employment related. That we based it off the Epilepsy Foundation that has one kind of uh, in general for people with epilepsy who are trying to adjust to different social difficulties. NARS is more about supporting people in either in their job search or um, once they're on the job with issues they might be having or things are coming across. And I've had unofficial mentors as well. There, I, I've never been part of... Uh, exactly a mentorship program, but um, I you know, I've definitely had mentors at different places that I've worked uh, you know either whoever was training me or things like that that have been really helpful over the years.
1: And how do you find them, Kurt? How do you find those mentors?
2: Well, uh, the focus groups that we had were extremely helpful for us in uh, finding out what people are looking for in terms of support for employment. And um, at the uh, at some point, well, we, we had a long list of people that uh, gathered for these focus groups. I think we had about five groups and uh, we probably met with a total of, I don't know, 60 or 80 people. And um, uh, after the, uh after the focus groups were over we decided that maybe uh, certain people that we met at the focus groups might be interested and we contacted them we contacted a, a bunch of people and told them about the idea and uh, a few of them volunteered and it happens that our hospital has a volunteer program that they run a very good one it's a, it's a 3 hour orientation to volunteer work so we sent our potential mentors uh to the volunteer program uh to get some ideas about what they should and shouldn't do about confidentiality and uh the other nice thing about the volunteer program is that it uh protected us uh, uh in terms of uh risk uh, of having somebody like a mentor uh do something that they shouldn't do so we we were essentially um, insured by the uh hospital for uh, um uh some possibility of inappropriate behavior which we were certainly not expecting but uh the the volunteer program uh, the the orientation program was an excellent program and our people have gone through it and uh, uh anyway that's that's a long answer to your short question of uh, how how we got them and uh, I don't think we're going to have any problem in uh, growing the mentor program as we need it.
1: Great. Now, Kurt and Matt, um, anyone listening to the show today, if they want to reach you or get involved in this program or know someone that would like to, how do they do that? Well,
3: first of all, uh, our our program um, is kind of small and it's specific to a certain area. and We're we're doing our best to direct people who might be outside the area. We can only we can advise or, or maybe refer people outside our area, but we can only di- directly provide services to people in the, the three counties here in California until we're able to expand or possibly set up other programs. But if anyone has any questions or'd like to find out more, you know, about what might be available in their area, um, or because there's a lot of uh, services that are either national or by state or things like that, that um, we can help people find. Uh, My phone number is 415-600-1378, and uh, my email is Poland, P-O-L-A-N-D-M, at SutterHealth.org.
1: All right, and we'll get that again when we come back from break. Yeah. You're listening to Matt Paulin and Kurt Willing from the Peps Job Program. We'll be back to close the show, and I'll get you that information again. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability does matter on VoiceAmerica.com. Don't go away.
4: conversation at a click of a mouse voiceamerica.com i'm garcelle beauvais nylon when i played a da on nypd blue i got all the facts before trying a case yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy there are two and a half million americans with the condition and one in ten americans will have a seizure in their lifetime people with epilepsy want to lead normal lives but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
0: Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face...